Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Mackenzie Patterson about occupational therapist's role in your everyday tasks. This episode is brought to you by Midwest Functional Neurology, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion syndrome, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They have greatly helped me and many others. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zalmer, and you are listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not be familiar with who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Good Men Project, and I volunteer in the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council, and I recently released my second book, Embracing the Journey, Moving Forward After Brain Injury, and you can find that on Amazon. You can learn more about me and the podcast series at facesoftbi.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zelmer. Today, my guest is Mackenzie Patterson, and Mackenzie is a 2013 Michigan State University kinesiology graduate and received her Master of Science degree in occupational therapy from Western Michigan University in 2015. Since working at Origami Brain Injury Rehabilitation Center, she has received training and presented on topics within the community, including serial casting techniques, AARP carfit, vision therapy, cognitive perceptual motor training, and pre-driving rehabilitation services. Mackenzie currently works as an occupational therapist specializing in functional and community occupational therapy, as well as vision therapy in upper extremity modalities. Origami Brain Injury Rehabilitation Center is a nonprofit organization located in Lansing, Michigan. Origami provides comprehensive rehabilitation care for survivors of brain injuries and their families. Through their compassionate and innovative service, Origami creates opportunities and transforms lives. Welcome to the podcast, Mackenzie. I'm so happy to have you here. Hi, Amy. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, and I'm really excited to dive in to today's topic because, you know, these everyday tasks that we take for granted become so challenging after a brain injury. So I'm really excited to dive into this. Um, But first, Mackenzie... I would love for you to share with our listeners, you know, what brought you to the brain injury world? What, what is it that brought you to working with our lovely community? Sure. I'd love to kind of share a little bit of my background. So since a young age, I've always, you know, been interested in the healthcare profession and the healthcare field. Um, Dating back to high school when I was still kind of exploring how I wanted to truly be involved in the healthcare profession. I was actually involved in a career exploration program 
um, which was a course that I took outside of high school classes on a college campus, and I was able to be exposed to not only a variety of different unique subject areas like medical terminology, anatomy and physiology, um, professional communication and behavior skills, but I was also able to interact and partake in um, job shadows and internship opportunities where I could interact with a variety of different populations. Um, I think that just the field and um, the population of brain injuries really fascinated me from the get-go. Just with brain injuries, it's you know, known as that invisible diagnosis. And I, you know, really felt a lot of empathy and compassion to work with these individuals and try to make a difference in their lives. I think that the field of occupational therapy, which is what I immediately got involved in, and its ability to adapt and re-educate itself and be able to promote dignity and independence for those who might not be getting the care and proper treatment that they need as a result of that invisible diagnosis is really what drew me to this population. That's awesome. And, you know, I like to think we're a pretty cool group of people. Absolutely. (laughs) But you're so right about the invisible aspect of it. And I think far too often, um, you know, we're we're overlooked and a lot Mm -hmm. of our problems are written off as psychological or, you know, whatnot, or they're attributed to other things. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, once, you know, I'm, almost five years into this and I've learned so much and a lot of it I've learned through these podcasts and, you know, it just kind of blows my mind that we're still stuck in the stone ages, you know, with some doctors. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I agree. (laughs) But, you know, there's places like origami that just give us all so much hope knowing that there are people like you out there. So I'm, yeah. Yeah, so thank you. So, Mackenzie, let's kind of jump into this topic. Um, Explain what you mean how occupational therapists can help with everyday tasks. Sure. Let's start with like a simple, basic understanding of what that means. Absolutely. So I feel like first and foremost, there's a lot of individuals out there who, you know, maybe. Um, a little bit apprehensive or unsure of what the field of occupational therapy really is. Um, given its um, very broad term of occupation, I think a lot of people have a yeah. misconception that, you know, we help people get back to their jobs and things of that nature. Right. But really, we do so much more than that. As, you know, the title of this podcast says, all those everyday tasks. Um, when we as occupational therapists talk about occupation, that might mean, you know, that day, da- day, da- day job, I'm sorry, that you go to on a daily basis from, you know, 8 to 5. Um, you might be a peer or a friend, a parent, a student, a volunteer, a grandparent, things of that nature. And occupational therapists, what they're doing is assisting individuals who have a brain injury or another diagnosis um, in order to reintegrate them back into the community by encompassing a whole bunch of different aspects of an individual's life. Um, with different terms that we as occupational therapists call basic and instrumental activities of daily living. Um, I'm not sure how familiar the listeners are with those terms. Basic activities of daily living are those activities that basically enable um, all those basic survival and uh, well-being skills. So taking a shower or taking a bath each day, um, using the restroom, dressing, 
seating and things of that nature. That's an everyday task that we all participate in. And that's one um, broad area that occupational therapists can help individuals with. There's also those instrumental activities of daily living. So those are activities to support daily life um, within the home or the community. And they're usually a little bit more complex than those basic activities that I was just speaking of. So that might be caring for your children or your pets, managing your health and your medication routine, driving and overall community mobility skills, managing your finances, managing your home, uh, preparing meals, shopping, things of that nature. So there's a lot of different everyday tasks that we can really help individuals with after a brain injury to get back to being more independent with. Yeah, and I think, you know, we take so many things for granted. I mean, I know when I first got home, I mean, I wasn't hospitalized at all. So I went home from the doctor that morning and I had no idea how to use my microwave, how to use my oven, because they all had touch button, um, you know, digital displays. And I couldn't comprehend how to use them. And it was Mm -hmm. so frustrating. And it was like, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I figure this out? And like you said, um, paying bills. And, I mean, I would just forget and now I have everything set up on like auto pay so I don't have to think about it sure. but back then I didn't and you know <laughs> you'd be getting these notices that you didn't pay your phone bill and it's like oops <laughs> you know I'm gonna, your, your cell phone right. is going to be shut off um, and I know that's a struggle that many listening can probably relate to so um, you know how how do you guys go about helping people um, learn how to get those tasks back because obviously short-term memory is a problem for many of us, um, and you know some people just might not have any concept anymore. So how how do you sure. kind of go about helping people get that back? Sure. Well, first and foremost, the evaluation process in general is so crucial and so important in knowing and understanding uh, the clients that we treat their current as well as their formal or their former lifestyle. Um, previous occupations that they used to participate in, as well as their desire to get back to all those different various occupations. Um, Those instrumental activities of daily living that I was talking about earlier and that you were just discussing, preparing meals and paying your bills. Um, A lot of people who live with others or have a spouse and things of that nature, they share those job duties or maybe they split them up between each other. So it's really important as a therapist to really know and understand what a client was doing prior to their injury. So upon kind of getting some of that information and determining whether or not it's important for that client to get back to those tasks, we need to figure out as well what motivates the client, what are their interest areas, um, and what other roles they might play outside of the home, like in the community. Um, This can be through self-reports from the client or also um, having evaluations with caregivers present too to maybe um, gain better information about the client as a whole. Um, And then once we're able to get some of that information, it's really when we can dive into treatment and be as functional as possible. Now, when we're talking and trying to address all of these different IADL skill areas, sometimes these various activities can be done and addressed in an office setting by clients bringing in various 
you know, pieces or materials from home, such as bills and things of that nature, using a computer in the office to show a client how to set up bill payment and things of that nature, um, showing clients various applications and websites that they can use on their phone or on their personal computers to organize their finances. Um, and other times, depending on insurance and funding and things of that nature, we can also be even more functional by going out into the community and having um, you know, a little bit more direct uh, interventions relating directly to the task. So I take grocery shopping, for example. Mm -hmm. Some individuals, as a result of a brain injury, might have light or noise sensitivity, or they might have headaches or difficulty with thinking and concentrating and organizing their thoughts and remembering what to purchase in a grocery store. So something that an occupational therapist might be able to do is, first and foremost, if they have light or noise sensitivity, helping them to do the research and determine when might be a busy time of day or a slow time of day when a grocery store might be the most fitting for them to visit, maybe in the morning or in the afternoon. Um, another um, thing that we could do as it relates to grocery shopping is make lists, grocery shopping lists with checklists and things of that nature um, so that we're a little bit more organized before going on a grocery shopping outing out in the community. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of having a checklist so that a client can attend to and make sure that they're checking off one at a time all the different items that they're retrieving from the grocery store. Or sometimes we might go a little bit more in depth. So we might organize a grocery list based on categories, produce, dairy, things of that nature, so that a client doesn't have to be going all over the grocery store back and forth just to find all the items on their list. Um, with brain injuries, different deficit areas and things of that nature are so diverse. No brain injury is the same. So being able to get to know your client and having a good, detailed, thorough evaluation, really understanding what kinds of client factors and performance skills that a client is having a difficult time with is very crucial. Um, but like I was saying, it's awesome that within my scope of practice, I'm able to do so many different diverse types of treatment sessions, not only in an office, but out in the community as well, making things as functional as possible, as I was previously saying. You know, and talking about grocery shopping, I mm -hmm. think that is like the most despised task in my group. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's so many factors with grocery shopping. You have horrible fluorescent lighting. You have all these rows. And then you have all these choices, you know. Okay, I need potato chips. Okay, there's like 25 different kinds I can choose from. You know, like all that overwhelm. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, addressing the grocery shopping is, is, you know, it's a huge battle for some people. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, like you mentioned, um, bringing the caregiver in um, and helping them understand as well, because I think too often the caregivers or the loved ones or the family members, you know, they just don't get it. Like, uh, you know, why, why is it such a big deal to go to the grocery store? Just go get it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's very important to help educate, you know, everyone else in the household um, what's mm -hmm. going on with, with the family member, whether it's a child or a parent, um, because it, it is, it's, you know, people, I know people def, 
excuse me, definitely didn't get it with me. You know, it was like, oh, my God, it's been six weeks. Like, why are you still complaining about this? And, you know, here mm-hmm. I am five years later and I'm still struggling, you know. Um, so it's like it's that whole invisible component of it. And, um, you know, I, th- I think we've been off, far too often we've been led to think that concussions, concussions are no big deal. And in reality, you know, it's a brain injury. And, um, you know, it's it's people like you who absolutely know what to look for and how to screen the patient and figure out, you know, what can we do to help you? And that's just so critical to, to find a therapist or a doctor um, who is able to get it. It's, it's half the battle right there, I think. So, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So how about someone who's trying to get back to work? I, I know, you know, you kind of touched on occupational doesn't just mean work, right? Um, mm-hmm. Occupation. So how do you help someone, you know, are there skills you can implement in someone who is trying to get back to work or to school? Um, you know, mm-hmm. what are some of those tasks that you might have to help them with? Sure. Well, I think first and foremost, a client who's trying to return back to school or to their previous workplace or maybe a new workplace, um, it's really important to make sure that you're including and participating in an interdisciplinary approach. Um, We as occupational therapists are trying to help those clients get back to being as functional as possible and as independent and as successful as possible in those various activities. However, we wouldn't be able to do our full job without the help of all of the other therapists and physicians who are also on that client's case. So a client who's trying to return to work where there might be various physical demands, physical therapy is a profession that we'll often be in very close contact with. Same with speech therapy as it relates to attention and memory deficits, as well as a lot of different um, practice areas. So I think first and foremost, making sure to collaborate as an interdisciplinary team is very important. Um, Once I'm able to kind of get a gauge and understand my client and what exactly they want to be getting back to, we can work on remediation skills within treatment sessions. Maybe that might be attention and memory. That might incorporate a little bit of vision therapy and things of that nature, or also working on compensatory strategies. So we were previously talking about light and noise sensitivity. A client who may work in a cubicle space and things of that nature might need some accommodations made within their workplace. So an occupational therapist might need to um, communicate with the client's employer um, outside or during treatment sessions in order to make sure that the employer is well aware of some of the accommodations that the client might need um, and making sure that the employer is following through upon those things. Um, Because without those accommodations, sometimes it's just extremely challenging to be successful at work. An accommodation might also include um, just taking rest breaks every once in a while throughout their day, just so that they're able to stay on task and attend to whatever it is that they are working on. Um, Overall, though, within treatment sessions, I love how creative occupational therapy can be because we try our best, truly, to stimulate the workplace environment. So if a client is used to working on the computer throughout the day and maybe getting frequent phone calls and interruptions from others while working on a variety of different tasks at once, I'm going to present the client with a bunch of different activities for the day, give them um, 
you know, time frames and deadlines throughout that hour that I'm treating them. I might incorporate various noises or play music or have, you know, another clinician knock on my door to simulate those interruptions that might take place in the workplace in order to best prepare and challenge my client to be successful at school or at work and things of that nature. Now, not only in a work setting, but in a school setting too, there's never a very quiet classroom. There's always going to be, you know, other classmates who are texting or whispering or making noises or getting up to go to the bathroom or sharpening a pencil. So it's really important that we're kind of taking into account all of those different activities that might be taking place at school or at work that some people might not typically think about that could be hindering success. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those distractions, <laughs> the multitasking. And I know for me, my gosh, it took me a couple of years um, before distractions didn't just totally derail me. Um, you know, like if I was working on something and the phone rang or somebody knocked on my door, I mean, pfft, I was done. I would never get back to whatever I was working on. I would totally forget, mm-hmm. you know, that it was there. Um, so that's, you know, that's such a really great point of, um, I love how you, you know, you said the phone will ring or you have someone knock on the door and um, that's, you know, that's real life. That's what we have to deal with, whether we're at home or work or, um, you know, those are those everyday tasks that we're going to face. And I think it's so great that, that you're incorporating those right into your therapy. Um, it's, yeah. you know, it's so important. Do you ever go visit somebody's workspace um, prior to them going back? Like, do you, is that something that you guys ever do? I know some, some places will um, work with someone's employer to help get them back into mm-hmm. the workspace. And so I'm just curious how you guys approach that. Sure. Um, That is definitely something within our scope of practice and depending on insurance and those types of things, what insurance unfortunately is or is not willing to uh, provide for us, we would love to get into the work or be able to take clients out into the community in general because that's what's most practical and that's what's most functional. It's hard to kind of get a gauge and, really picture what a client's work environment really looks like and what they're dealing with until we can kind of see firsthand. It's important for us based on, you know, physical and cognitive deficits um, to see how their chair and their desk space is set up, to see how bright their computer screen is. Maybe because of light sensitivity, we just need to kind of help with um, decreasing that glare. Um, If a client is in a cubicle space, taking a look at that cubicle space, taking a look at the office environment and seeing if maybe that client can move their desk to a different um, area within the office that's maybe away from a window or near a window, things of that nature. So that's definitely something that we absolutely will try to incorporate into our treatment sessions, Um, taking clients to their workplace either with or without them. It's best with them because then we're able to kind of hear firsthand what their thoughts are, what they feel like might be challenging upon returning to work, and also keeping their employers involved, too, so they can assist in the best way possible. Yeah, I think that's so awesome. And, you know, I know I visited um, um, Mount Washington Pediatric Hospital, and they actually Mm -hmm. will go into the child's school, and if necessary, and prepare the class 
for, you know, what the child might be like when they come back to school. Because, you know, many of us are very, very different after our brain injury. And I just thought that was really, really cool. Um, Because, I mean, you know, kids can be cruel and prepare them so that, you know, they're not shocked by it, I guess you could say. Um, Not that there's always any physical um, appearances you know, a lot of it's very invisible. So just being able to understand, um, you know, Bobby might have a stutter or, you know, he might not be able to think as quickly as he used to or read out loud, you know, things like that. And, um, you know, I just, I think it's so great to see the different ways um, clinicians can help people getting back to school and getting back to work and just getting back to life. I mean, just getting that quality of life back um, Mm -hmm. is, you know, you might not get back to a hundred percent, but I mean, just getting back a quality of life so that you feel like you're not on this roller coaster anymore. Um, Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I like how you were mentioning, you know, the caregivers and other students and things of that nature. Cause I feel like, this awareness piece is so important, educating the community, um, you know, a client's um, classmates, coworkers, whoever the client feels comfortable with sharing information with. I think it's so important that we get the word out there um, about brain injuries and how invisible they can be and trying to make it a little bit more visible so that we can provide the best care and support that this population needs at this time. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, like you said, just the awareness piece. And, um, you know, that's why I do what I do to try to just help grow awareness, um, you know, not only for survivors and their families and for clinicians, but just, you know, for the average person who might work with someone or go to school with someone or be the teacher to someone, you know, who has a brain injury. And, um, you know, I I, um, think the more awareness there is out there, the the more people will start to take it all a little more seriously and the more resources that we'll have for people, which will be amazing. Um, I completely agree. Mackenzie, is there anything we didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about in regards um, to today's podcast? You know, I don't think so. I really just wanted to make sure all the listeners out there kind of have a better grasp and understanding of the field of occupational therapy and how we can assist those in the brain injury population to truly getting back to any sort of activity that's important to them. That's really our aim and our goal, and we can be as creative and as adaptive as possible to allow clients to get back to those things, whether that be full remediation of skills or introducing compensatory strategy that's really what's most important to us. So I just hope that you guys kind of grasp that knowledge and kind of have a better understanding of my profession of occupational therapy. So Mackenzie, would you have any advice for someone listening who, you know, no matter where they are in their recovery, um, but they've never been to an occupational therapist, how would you recommend that they find one? Like what would be the best path for someone looking or some extra support? Sure. Well, first and foremost, I think it's important to make sure to communicate with your physician some of the, you know, deficit areas and some of those different activities of daily living um, activities that I was mentioning earlier. If you're having any challenges with those types of things, make sure you're communicating those things with your doctor and maybe mentioning occupational therapy. 
Unfortunately, there are some physicians who are a little bit more aware of this field more than others, and I think it's important, again, with the awareness piece, to advocate for yourself and make sure that if you feel like working on these types of activities or you're having challenges with these activities, I, I think it's extremely important that you're getting the care that you need. So making sure that you're you know, advocating for yourself and getting that order so that you can seek additional services and support through occupational therapy is huge. Awesome. Great advice. Well, Mackenzie, thank you so very much for being here today. And thank you to everyone at Origami. Um, You guys have all been such a joy to have on the podcast. Um, Thank you just for being here and sharing all of your incredible insight into occupational therapy and brain injury. Thank you. And thank you for hosting this wonderful podcast series. It's awesome. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and I hope that you were able to get some wonderful golden nuggets from Mackenzie. And, again, you can check out any previous podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And another big thank you to Midwest Functional Neurology, the concussion doctors you can trust in the Midwest, Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. And I will see you again next time. And have a great day, everyone.